With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, welcome to this Cricket Badger India vs England daily podcast by the fans for the fans. Virat Kohli's India with Rohit Sharma, Jaspreet Bumrah and Ravi Ashwan and young starlets like Rishabh Pant and Shubman Gill. They play host to Joe Root's England with Jimmy Anderson, Ben Stokes, Stuart Broad and young talents like Ollie Pope and Zach Crawley. It's always England's toughest tour. Good luck to both sides. May the best team win. Hello everybody, welcome along, it's another edition of the Test Match Daily, thank you very much for tuning in in your ever-increasing numbers over the last week or so, and uh, hopefully we'll entertain you as we go through the third Test Match starting on Wednesday. It's the midpoint though in the series, and it's time to take stock I think, after two games in Chennai, which uh, we enjoyed some of, maybe didn't enjoy other bits of it, we were going to uh, talk to Knuckle and Sam today about our favourite moments of the series so far, and anything that's maybe disappointed us as well. Let's start with you Sam, let's start with the positive shall we? Give me one thing so far in this series that's really lived up to expectations or has delighted you in some way. Richard Pant batting. I know as an England fan, that perhaps isn't the obvious choice, but I hadn't really seen much of him play. And despite my Somerset connections, I still really enjoyed him, the way he went after Jack Leach uh, in that first test. And it's just, I love the fact he played a different way. He played his own way. Um, high risk, high octane strategy, but still quite calculated. And it was great to watch. He's brutal as well, isn't he? It's almost like he plays like he doesn't care, but he really does. Beneath it all, he really does care, but he, he plays with such freedom. Yes, absolutely. And that is, it just shows, you know, there's more than one way to skin a cat, as the cliche goes. I probably can't say that anymore. I don't know if that's if that's the correct thing to say, but I said it anyway. I'll get loads of cats writing in. It's going to be horrendous. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Nakul, what about you? Give me a positive from this series so far, something you've really enjoyed. Well, I mean, the series has been defined really by two massive first innings scores. And I think in their very different ways, Joe Root's double hundred and Rohit Sharma's 160 were, were wonderful. And um, dominant innings on pitches and in conditions where dominant batting wasn't easy. And they both rose head and shoulders above the rest of the field. Root with his absolute mastery, the various sweeps and reverse sweeps, uh, his 
his absolute mastery of when to go forward, when to go back, and doing that to its fullest extent in both cases, doing exactly what you need to do to play to play good spin bowling, not getting caught on the crease. And then uh, Rohit Sharma, again, adjusting his game to the to the conditions, uh, using the sweep much more than he than he usually does, being more, not proactive, but more aggressive in terms of his uh, intentions to hit boundaries off the spinners. And in both cases, they set up the game uh, for their teams and were in a series that has had a lot of very good bowling. Uh, I think Root's double ton and Rohit's 160 were an absolute joy to behold. They were really good examples, Nakul, of um, that's what selling cricket is. If you get in, go big. And both of them did that, didn't they? It made a real difference. They were match-winning knocks. Match-defining, match-winning, yeah. Um, you can't do the if-you-take-X out of the score thing as, um, you know, they happened and someone else have scored the runs, but they, they were the match-defining contributions. I think um, it was only because of the all-round excellence of R. Ashwin that uh, Rohit didn't get the double, sorry, the Man of the Match award in the in the second test for what's that's what that's worth. But his he and he and Root um, have, have stood out head and shoulders above uh, above the rest of the competition, as I said earlier. Cricket's a game played with balls. You've got to look after them in the field. Badges are furry creatures. My friends at Manscape.com help you make sure it's neat and tidy down there. Oh, get rid of all that excess fur. Make sure that you're neat and tidy. Make sure everything's in the right order. Oh, feeling all good now down in this set. Oh, manscaped.com. Maximum skin-safe performance. Compact design. Advanced engineering. Ceramic blade. Waterproof. And it doesn't end there. Show you care by caring for your pair. Cleansers. Revivers. Preservers. Simply go to manscaped.com. Quote the discount code BADGER. You get 20% off, you get free shipping, and you get some seriously quality equipment. Manscaped.com. Get on there now. I'm going to throw something in from my uh, my side of things. Uh, I think, apologies to my Indian listeners, but this is very much a UK-based thing. But Channel 4, having it on free-to-air television, a lot being talked about it in advance of the series, people wondering where it was going to be broadcast. It's nothing against Sky, this. Sky have done a fantastic job down the years, plowing money into the game, and their coverage has been excellent. But the fact that it's on free-to-air and more people potentially are starting to watch it in the UK can only be a good thing for cricket. So hopefully, you know, one apiece after uh, two test matches. That's the other thing as well. I think the, my other positive that I'm going to throw in today is that it's one all after two test matches. Basically, the series is massively alive. We go into uh, the two tests in Ahmedabad, the pink ball test next, which is a little bit unknown. So it's a little bit exciting from that perspective as well but the fact it's one all and not two nil to a team and one team's just dominating everything um, I think is really good for this series so free to air telly and the fact it's nicely balanced I think for the Badger that would be my uh, midpoint assessment one more positive from you Sam Oh, well, following on from what you were saying, I, I, I agree about the, the free-to-air stuff. I'm sure I read a stat, something like last Saturday when the test was on, something like, oh, I've lost the number, but maybe 20% of children watching TV were watching the test match, which given we're in lockdown means that's quite a big number. The other thing I was going to say is a thing of real beauty is Ben Folkes' wicket-keeping, an oh, absolute... Yes master at work that is 
art for me. I would stand, if you put that in a gallery, I will stand and watch Ben Folks with gloves on and that kind of wispy hair he's got and just how he makes it look so graceful. We talk about his stumpings. All right, maybe he missed one, but some of those stumpings were just unreal. And the take, that pitch was turning. If you think the wicket, you know, the batter's reacting, but the wicketkeeper is blinded half the time by having a, a big person in front of them blocking their view. And he was incredible. You talk about his wispy hair. I'm sure he'd describe it differently um, if he was here. But uh, he, is a, he is a thing of beauty, full stop, isn't he? There's there's many heterosexual men on Twitter who goes bananas as soon as Ben Fox takes his helmet off and that hair cascades down his face. It's a, a man crush for for all seasons, I think, for everybody out there. But his keeping has been marvellous, isn't it? And I found myself in that second test match just forgetting the batsman was there, just watching Ben Folks and seeing what he was doing behind the sticks because he was just incredible. And he was a tough, a tough track to bat on. And by virtue of that, it was a tough track to keep on. And he made it look simple for a lot of that uh, test match and uh, hopefully we'll see more of the same in Ahmedabad. Knuckle, another positive from you. I mean, I would love to add to the Ben Folks man love um, but while, we, uh, while, while we're here. Absolute, absolutely uh, he- a mostly heterosexual man crush from me on, on Ben Folks. The tousled hair, the gleaming white teeth and a lo- lovely, cuts a lovely dash, doesn't he? An honourable mention actually to Risha Punt's wicket keeping who doesn't make it look quite as effortless as Ben Folks does but has uh, improved dr- drastically through, through sheer repetition and hard work on his wicket keeping and you know his athleticism is sort of getting him out of trouble um, where his footwork isn't quite at Ben Folks's level but he's he's doing the job and finding his own way of, of doing the job but I, I do want to uh, that, uh, just uh, just on Rishabh before you move on to your next but the I, I thought it was quite nice that Virat Kohli in the post-match uh, after the second test match gave him a lot of credit and said that his keeping had gone up a notch and he'd worked very hard in Australia his fitness has gone up and he's he's shed a bit of weight and everything so we can uh, yeah it just shows you a bit of hard work and a bit of perseverance is, is paying off for Rishabh isn't it yeah absolutely and, and we can keeping is one of those skills that you can improve by pure repetition in that sense. I mean, not that it's easy, but at least the the, the pathway to doing so is, is relatively straightforward. And we've seen a lot of wicketkeepers um, improve uh, dramatically to become very good wicketkeepers over the course of their uh, of their careers. But I, I do want to go back to uh, James Anderson's spell on that last day in the first test in, in yeah. Chennai. Not that the pitch wasn't doing anything, uh, not that the ball wasn't moving, but India were in a relatively comfortable position, a position where saving the test match was by no means out of the question and and James Anderson produces in the same over three absolutely magnificent full in-swinging uh, deliveries uh, got Shubman Gill and there's this wonderful photograph that one of the BCCI staffers took of Gill in a, full, in a perfect forward defensive position the ball isn't in shot but neither is off stump because it's been <laughs> flattened uh, it, it's, it's yeah. the most wonderful uh, capturing of the moment and then nearly gets a Jinkyota Hane uh, the next ball and then gets him that over with with Virat Kohli standing firm at the other end. Uh, you know, I guess a second honourable mention to Virat Kohli's second innings batting, which has been a uh, which has been excellent. Uh, but that that spell and that over from from James Anderson uh, was, was magnificent. We've seen many super overs recently in the other form, but that was a super over from Jimmy, wasn't it? It was uh, terrific stuff from him. Let's sort of shed the the positive glow now and, and turn to maybe things that have disappointed us in the first two Test matches so far. I'll, I'll kick us off with this one, and um, because although we are one all, and I'm, I'm expressing my glee at the fact that it's nicely poised. You've seen two fairly one-sided test matches so far. England got the noses in front in that first test match and never really looked back, um, despite the pessimists in me expecting them to. And in the second test match, India really bossed it from the first session, didn't they? So we've seen two very one-way traffic test matches so far. I'd really like to see the third and fourth test matches be a little bit more competitive throughout. Don't mind who wins them, to be honest. I just want to see two good sets of test matches that are hard thought all the way through the five days. How about you, Sam? Something that's maybe not been 
been quite lived up to expectation for you? Yeah, not sure if it's not lived up to expectation. And I hate being negative, so I'm going to try and draw it around to a positive eventually. But the umpiring, in particular, not necessarily the on-field umpiring, but the off-field umpiring. And Mm. I I think the positive I'm going to draw is Mark Butcher doing an absolutely brilliant job because some of the commentary, uh, you know, there's there are close ties between the BCCI and, and the broadcaster, which means that perhaps some of the home host commentators are have been less willing to be critical. But Mark Butcher told it very well. And there's just been a couple of occasions where the TV third umpire, not the third umpire, the TV umpire hasn't done the job properly. There was that miscatch England's appeal when and actually they didn't kind of to use the phrase they use they didn't rock and roll all the way through and and Butcher picked it up quite quickly and we're actually appealing for Ben Folks having come around and, and got the catch off the glove but the TV umpire didn't watch that far and ultimately it didn't cost many runs and they got their review back but that could have been as you said the test matches have been very one-sided in a close test match that is unforgivable so I think hopefully that will improve Elvis Presley once said, we're caught in a trap. We can't get out, but we might be able to soon. Hopefully COVID-19 will be behind us and we can get back on the cricket pitch this summer. And you need to make it count. BlackRatCricket.com They have an original range, a rodent range, a little rat range. Bats made by cricketers for cricketers. Make 2021 count. BlackRatCricket.com Join the infestation. Knuckle, something that's uh, maybe disappointed you a bit. The, yeah, the, the standard of the on-field umpiring has generally been pretty good. There have been some very notable errors, um, uh, the third umpiring in, in, in particular, and we've talked about this on, on the show. I'm not sure I'd agree that the first test was one-sided. It ended up with a very dominant result in England's favour, but it was a very hard-fought test match, and we certainly, for, long, for most of that fifth day, um, we were talking about certainly three results, possibly all four being possible. Don't, don't you think, um, that in, with hindsight, Knuckle, don't you think looking back, we've got used to England struggling, so we were expecting them to struggle a bit more than they maybe did. I think it was probably more one-sided than we we maybe thought at the time. I'm not sure. I mean, England played the near-perfect test match. India weren't bad, but weren't at the quite at the level that they have been. Um, but England played a near-perfect test match. I don't know if this is too broad, but the discourse with a capital D uh, has um, infuriated me in, in in large parts. I've got a piece coming out. Do, do you um, know what, Knuckle? That was going to be my next uh, next point to so make it for me. Yeah, I, I've got a piece coming out uh, today on the Sports Gazette and Guerrilla Cricket uh, about this, about the the need for the partisans of both sides to seek to be to claim themselves as the persecuted party the put upon party uh you know english fans uh, taking it upon themselves to complain about the pitch the indian fans complaining about you know the, these uh, complaining about the complaining basically uh and, and complaining about the whining and uh, saying oh when, when we you know well, we don't complain uh, why, why should you um forgetting that they do complain and both forgetting that um that England and India are the two richest boards in in world cricket and the two best finance boards in world cricket. And every time that uh, that the not the players, I'm very delighted to say the players have risen above all this nonsense by and large, but um, stoked by um, some of the more irresponsible pundits on uh, on particularly on, on Twitter. Um, we, we've had good test matches and good cricket overtaken by by nonsensical ego um, ego battles and flame wars and, and both parties um, trying to cl- claim on behalf of their team that they are the put upon one uh, and that they are the one who deserves the public sympathy and it's frankly pretty tiresome um, and I can imagine rings incredibly hollow if you're a fan 
fan of any other nation outside of the big three, if you're a fan of an associate <laughs> yeah. nation. Frankly, if you're just a, a cricket lover who wants to see the game grow uh, and the game thrive and not be restricted to the big three and everybody else, the, the sight of England and India fans uh, and, and partisans uh, claiming persecution on, on their own behalf is nauseating. Yeah, I mean, I was going to I was going to tackle that from maybe a slightly different angle in terms of the binary nature of social media. You, you know, it's everything's black and white. There's very little grey areas these days in terms of the discussion, whether it's Brexit, um, whether it's Donald Trump, whoever you're talking about, it's either he's evil or he's marvellous or the extremes of the of the argument and in the, in the cricket over the first two test matches we've seen that displayed by fans as you've said really you know, some people saying you win the toss you win the match other people saying no it's far more um, it's far less like that some people saying the pitch is terrible some people saying no it's not and there's there's very little kind of sways there from people on Twitter you, you, you see people hold their opinion regardless of what people are saying they're either you know people are right full stop and there's no kind of talking to people and I, I find that uh, I, I got a little bit fed up on Twitter the other day I kind of jacked it in for the day because you see people coming up with comments that just aren't really part of what you were talking about initially and it's because they just want to have a negative make a negative comment there's very few times you post something on Twitter and people say marvellous that's exactly what I feel it's always somebody has to try and pick boat, pick a hole in it and that's the kind of negative sort of mindset of people I think on social media these days and it does annoy me and the first two test matches haven't been the best example for the human race I don't think in terms of how people have reacted to things that happened on and off the pitch. Sam, have you got anything else that you want to add to that in terms of positives and negatives from what we've seen so far? Oh, there's a question. I, England's handling a recent criticism, criticising too heavily, and I am fully behind their rotation policy, but just the message and the way they've handled Bess and Ali has not been ideal. I think it was just genuine mistakes. I don't want to keep going over it, even though I have brought it up, because I think <laughs> if you were asking for negatives, I didn't quite like that. They seem to have sorted it out. Hopefully not too much damage done, but it, it does leave them with an unhaffing to look after Don Bess more so than they perhaps needed to. That could have been dealt with a little bit better. Don't, don't you think Don Bess, I mean, I've, I've met Dom and I've, I think you have as well. He, uh, he, he's quite a, I know he's had his problems in the past, but he strikes me as somebody that's quite tenacious and um, believes in himself a little bit. And we've kind of painted him a little bit on, on social media, on, on this podcast even, as the little lost boy at the moment. Um, I think he's probably got a little bit more about him than that. I'd, I'd, re- I'd like to see him given the opportunity to bounce back a bit. Yeah, that's fair. That's a fair point. He he's very tenacious. He is kind of high energy, determined. Like his drive. He's a 22, 23 year old who's played double figures of test matches. Like there's no doubting his drive. I just think the way to base to leave him out and for it to then come out that I know you can shape it any way you'd like, but to hear it's going to be a big knock to anyone's confidence. Like, well, basically they asked Moeen Ali to stay on because they had, didn't have as much faith in him. And so now they have to, if they do want him to play, if they do want to play two frontline spinners, which we don't know yet, we'll find out on Wednesday. It's It just uh, hasn't quite been handled as well as it could have been. But we're picking holes. I'm picking holes. Well, hopefully, hopefully he sees that as an opportunity, uh, an opportunity if he gets his chance on Wednesday to go out there and, and prove everybody wrong and say, you know, I can do this. Grit your teeth and get on with it. And that's... He's he's now at Yorkshire. That's the Yorkshire way. Knuckle, what about you? Anything else that we haven't mentioned yet that you you see as either a positive or a negative from what we've seen over the first two test matches? Not so much the handling and the mowing thing. You know, Root made a 
verbal misstep in a press conference and apologised for it the next day, as did Chris Silverwood. Um, I did find it sort of amusing and infuriating in equal measure how quickly everyone, uh, and and this is, you know, respectable media outlets and the, the usual social media shit stirrers alike, kind of piled into the gap in the few hours following that and how quickly that um, that vortex of bullshit around Mo and Ali as exclusion developed. Uh, certainly, I think it, it doesn't say... I'm going to make like the title of this podcast, The Vortex of Bullshit Around Mo and Ali. <laughs> That's a lot. James, I like that line. James I do think they were right to make those points. I, I think there were some... I don't know if it was all bullshit. I think actually the apologies maybe came not so much from Joe Root, but I think that came as a result of some of the media pressure. And I, I do actually think it was right. Some of the stuff it was right and proper. It, it was if a different you, if, approach. If you actually think it, was, it was absolutely necessary for Joe Root to and Chris Silverwood to apologise both to Mo and Ali and, and in public. But it, it start. You got a few people saying seeing this as you know England not prioritising Test cricket. You saw some people questioning Mo and Ali's motivations. Uh, you saw. Um, all sorts of uh, all sorts of nonsense like uh, like that. Talking about Mo and Ali, you know, refusing to stay on tour, or, or all of this, all of this stuff um, that, and or or accusing Joe Root even of singling out Mo and Ali as though he was furious with Moeen, um, and all of this stuff, which was to me self evident nonsense. But I, I do like uh, James Butler and the vortex of bullshit uh, <laughs> yeah, as, a, as, a, as a potential <laughs> as a potential title, very um, appro- very appropriate as well. <laughs> <most of the laughs> time. <laughs> I, I think yeah, just yeah. just just one more thing on that Mo and Ali thing. I think yeah, the, the word chosen. I mean, Jerry got himself into a pickle, didn't he? And, and it kind of the fallout was for Moen because people's perception of of what that meant. But in a way, it was chosen, wasn't it? Somebody at some stage chose that Mo and Ali was going to go home. There's meetings, and they chose to do that. So the word wasn't necessarily wrong. It was just the kind of the perception it gave people. Well, I mean, Mo and Ali didn't choose to go home. He was told well, he, to take mandated ob- leave by his employer. Yeah, but he's obviously agreed that at some stage. Yeah, sure, but. You know, this decision was made months ago. Um, he he was essentially told to take so, mandated. So at that, leave at that stage, he chose to, didn't he? That's very different to agreeing to do something you're told to do by an employer to to choosing to do. So I think the well, you imagine when they had the chat, the chats though with the ECB, they had options on the table. It wasn't just you have to take this two weeks, otherwise we're never going to speak to you again. You'd have thought there'd have been a little bit of flexibility in that. I mean, look, the ECB aren't dictators from what everyone, from regardless of what everyone might think, and and you know, as easy it might be to paint that narrative. But you are strongly recommended to do something by your employer. And it's explained to you very clearly that it's in your own best interest to do so. And so they're doing it because it's in your best interest to do so, by the so way. You, so you Mo choose, and Ali has... So you, Mo you, and, you, choose, you choose to agree, Knuckle, then, don't you? Uh, in the sense that you are not physically forced to. But <laughs> the initial impetus did not come from Mo and Ali. And it was not the case that he was the one who broke the status quo of him staying on tour. The status quo was that he was going to leave. Was they made him? They turned around during the test and tried to ask, basically asked him to make a choice by asking him to say, and that that was different to how to what they've done with everyone else. And I think uh, that was where the yeah, that, that's the one thing that you can genuinely say was a mistake and a misstep from England in this whole rotation policy. I've actually I'm no great fan of Ed Smith, um, <laughs> but he has explained the rotation policy throughout very well and has explained England selections very well through these COVID times. And I do like the fact that he, even if I don't 
agree with the explanations a lot of the time. I do agree with the, I do like the fact that he actually tries to give public explanations. But him then asking Moin Ali to stay on, putting him in an impossible position, and then causing all of this, all of this stuff, um, was a was a misstep. And I hope that, frankly, in spirit of apology, I hope that Ed Smith has apologised to Joe Root and Chris Silverwood. For, Could, couldn't uh, you see it as actually? Him. Couldn't you see it as he? I mean, I, I saw Chris Silverwood's um, interview, and Chris Silverwood said, you know, he's he's been through a diff- very difficult time with COVID. He was locked in his hotel room. He hadn't really seen any of the cricket really because he was he was shut away um, having a horrible time so we offered him the chance to stay on he got his place back in the side we offered him a chance to add a little bit onto the end of the tour to try and make the most of it rather than actually seeing it as a misstep um i don't buy that because regardless of whether he'd been able to see any of the cricket he was still in the bubble and was even in more of a bubble within a bubble if he didn't go home he was on tour for he was on on tour and in bubble for five months um with two young kids at home and that's why he was asked to that's why he and others have been asked to take essentially it's like being asked to take mandated annual leave by your employer. It, it's there for a reason. I think I think there's enough negatives, and I think we've seen enough positives to be gripped by this series. One all, moving on to Ahmedabad, pink ball test match, 9am start in the UK. Things can't be too much better than that, can they? We'll be back again tomorrow, um, having a proper look ahead to that uh, third test match and the pink ball and everything that that entails. Thank you very much to Knuckle and to Sam for joining me today on the podcast. We'll be back every single day throughout England's series in India. I've been James the Cricket Badger, and I'll see you again tomorrow. Thanks for listening. We will be back every day during England's tour of India. Get in touch on at cricket underscore badger on Twitter. We hope you are enjoying the cricket. See you again tomorrow. Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.